Hi, I'm Jamie. I'm the co-founder and chief brand officer of Everest. And hi, I'm Jessica. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Everest. And what we love about beauty is that it's always evolving and never boring. From New York City, you're listening to Beauty Is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the beauty industry. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Beauty Is Your Business. I'm Jessica Quick, your host, and today I am buzzing about category-defining innovation. As a marketer, and especially in the beauty industry, innovation is one of those words that we throw around all the time. And I have to be honest, it's kind of like the word authenticity to me, where it's just overused. But when you do finally get to see true innovation to the point where even Time Magazine labels it as one of the 100 best inventions, then it really is time to take notice. And that is exactly what happened with Everest. And on today's show, we are joined by Jessica and Jamie. Hi, ladies. Hi. Hi, Jessica. Thank you so much for jumping on and talking with us today. I am really excited to jump into Everest. I absolutely think what you have done in this category of hair care meets skincare has really changed the way we as consumers think about this. So I can't wait to dive into Everest. And to really kick us off, what I'd love to hear is a little bit of the genesis. How did Everest come to be? How did it end up with two co-founders? Great question. And thank you for that lovely intro. So I guess to go way back, Jessica and I are longtime friends. We went to business school together. We both ended up in the beauty industry, working for some of the big ones and loved it. We love this industry. It's always so exciting. There's so many different elements to it. But about five or six years ago, we started to see a real shift in you know consumer awareness in the industry about things like plastic waste, about ingredients that are going into the products. And for us, that was a really big aha moment that we saw these changes coming and these demands for the consumers changing a little bit as well. So originally, when we set out to create Everest, we were looking to create something that was very future thinking and thinking about where the industry would evolve to in the future. And also, you know, a company and a brand that was really needed in the world, a brand that was very focused on bringing innovation and also conscientious of the plastic waste crisis and the materials and the ingredients that we were using. So it started there and it's been a really exciting journey since then, evolving the brand and also creating something that was really unique as well. So when we first set out, Waterless for us was a really big opportunity that we saw in the beauty industry. We saw it first in the home cleaning industry and really had a really big, as we started formulating, a really big aha around the percentage of water in a lot of these beauty products. And for us, it was really interesting because thinking specifically looking at the shower care category and hair care in particular, you know, so many of these products had such high water content and then you're using them in the shower. And I think there's lots of great alternatives that were starting to become more mainstream than things like shampoo bars and different options. But for us coming from, you know, prestige beauty and professional hair care, we wanted to create something that was really high performance, felt elevative, felt like it had a lot of the sensorial cues that people loved from premium hair care, the scent, the lather, the results. So we wanted to see if we could create some sort of bridge product that could bring more people into this space 
and do something really different. It's been a wild ride since then. And I think we've learned a lot and we've evolved many, many times over as we've worked on this product, but really exciting to do something unique and super well received as well. Yeah. And I guess just adding to that, I think, you know, obviously we started on this journey and definitely on our sustainability ethos, but I think really in talking to our community and listening to their feedback on this innovative product, it really made us understand the uniqueness of the product and the benefits. And I think the new journey we're kind of on now is really flipping the script and focusing even more on the what's in it for our customers, which really is around scalp health and hydration and the benefits of that glycerin aloe base for those things. So it's been a really exciting journey, sort of seeing us, you know, always maintaining that sustainability ethos and what's good for our bodies and what's good for the planet will always be there. But I think, you know, as entrepreneurs, I think you just start realizing just how important it is to said, listen to the community, to be ready to make changes throughout that journey because it's such a evolving you know a space and so yeah now we're on this kind of path which is really exciting going into some clinicals and other types of work there i think when we started our innovation journey we were very much focused on the sustainability side and to give you like a real picture of, of how everything evolved we were looking at these powdered waterless surfactants which are cleansers that you use in your shampoo and we wanted to find a way to make it more like a liquid and something to suspend them in. So we actually took these powdered cleansers and we put them in a base of aloe vera and glycerin. So over 50% of our formulas are glycerin, the majority of it, and also aloe vera. So these really powerful natural moisturizers that make up more than half of our formula. It's almost like Everest is like a hybrid of like, you know, hair care and skincare in one. You have the cleansing aspect, but it's based in like a moisturizer base in a sense. So originally, you know, that was done from the perspective of making that concentrate, making sure that it was really nourishing and great for the hair. But as we launched it, and as we started to hear this feedback from our community on the results of their hair, but also the results on their scalp of using all of these moisturizing ingredients, that's really helped us dial into that particular benefit. And as Jessica said, the performance piece was always there, but I think that's the unique piece that's really bringing our customers back is what these hybrid type of products are doing for their scalp. And, you know, we have a lot of early interesting results for healthy hair growth and getting into clinicals now. So really exciting times as we continue with that sustainability ethos. Of course, it's our foundation, but also start to turn up the volume a little bit on those other messages that are really key and also highly unique. Well, and I think it's interesting, as you pointed out in the beginning of our conversation about that you were future looking and futuristic thinking about where this brand could be and what does it stand for and what do the products really perform and do. And you're still new to the game. You're, I think you're about to celebrate your third anniversary as a brand. So that's what's super interesting is I think future looking, the consumer has shifted as to what their expectations of a clean or a sustainable brand are. You know, I think five, eight years ago when we saw the big rise for sustainability and the big rise for clean and things, it was really a secondary was performance. It was almost like a trade-off. If you wanted a good, clean, sustainable brand, you had very, I'm going to say basic ingredients that they performed well enough, but you were really buying into that sustainable story. And what I think Evers has done a nice job with, and I like how you said flip the script, Jessica, is it's now not acceptable just to have an okay product. It really has to perform well. So you really listening to a community and diving into 
what is elevating this performance? What really sets it apart for what people need and want for their hair? It's really interesting. And I am curious, how do you now, as the leaders and owners of the company, how do you start to really tell that story? What are some of the two or three things that you're doing to really build out? You've built out a great sustainable story, but how are you building out this performance story so that people see it? Because obviously they use it, they're going to love it, but how do they know about it? What are the two to three things? Yeah. I mean, I guess I'll start there. I would say, you know, obviously doing something different and innovative, I think it draws a lot of attention and people are very curious, but there also needs to be a little bit of confidence building and almost like social proof. And so I feel like that's something we're really diving into more, whether it's testimonials, reviews, getting it into more people's hands. That's a big part of our strategy. And the other part, as we kind of alluding to earlier, was even clinicals and other types of tests. So we want to have even just more proof from what we're already hearing from our community, but just really validating that and being able to speak to it really clearly and succinctly that, you know, this really is having this kind of benefit. I think the other thing too is because, you know, we did try to create a bridge product to bring more people in, but there is a small learning curve, especially when it comes to the packaging or, you know, just that dosing, et cetera. And so I think, you know, really talking to people and helping them understand, give it like a 30 day challenge or 30 wash challenge, give it some time because you are going to see some initial immediate results, but really over that longer period of time, that's where you're also going to see even more benefits for scalp health, for hair regrowth, but also you're going to actually get used to some of those differences. And I think, you know, at first with those little differences might feel like a burden or something, it actually can feel extremely elevated. So, you know, just the tactile feel of aluminum or in the shower feels different than plastic. The sensor nature of the lather you get, even though it's sulfate free, et cetera, and the scent that it releases, even though it's essential oils, it's really elevated. And so I think once you really experience that and get through it, you can really realize that benefit. So I think that's something that we're really diving into more. Yeah, I think one of the big things when it's true innovation, and I've been lucky, I've been part of one really big innovative category within the nail care. And what I learned that process was changing consumer behavior is really hard. And so now you've got this amazing concentrate product that it comes out of an aluminum tube and you add water to it as you're in the shower. How do you combat, because like you've been talking about, there is a learning curve to this. It's innovation. It means it's something we haven't seen and we have to learn how to do it. So other, obviously you've got social proof to why you should buy it, but how do you start to really help the consumer understand how to use it? What are some of the resources that you're required to basically have? Because this is something that most consumers, most users will not really know how to do in the beginning. I think by design, like we tried to make it versus like, for example, a shampoo bar, which, you know, no, no, not loving shampoo bars. We think they're great, but versus a shampoo bar, we tried to make it a lot closer from the beginning to what people are used to. So it kind of comes out of the tube, like this rich cream, and you use it very similarly to how you would use a traditional shampoo. So I would say for like the majority of of our customers, like it's a very simple transition, but there are certain customers who need probably a little bit more education. So for us, you know, we've been really focused on building out those 
communication strategies with our customers through different email flows. We get a lot of messages right now through like DMs and, and texting. So how do we build that out into more email flows that way? So we're available, you know, when people are using the product for the first time, if they have any questions and also, you know, more showing more UGC or more customer content of the product in use, I think is really helpful as well. But in general, you know, it's definitely a little bit of a different experience, but we've tried to design it close to what people are used to using, but also make sure that we are available in the journey to get through, you know, for those who are struggling with that first adoption to get through that initial learning curve and then get to the point where they can really see those results. Because I think the longer you use it, as Jess mentioned, the better the results truly are. So we talked a little bit about the shampoo bars, which obviously have been in this space, but I would love to understand a little bit about what does the competitive landscape look like with something like this? So you come in, there really isn't anything else out there on the market like it. And then obviously you kind of skyrocket to some great success. Some great awards have been won. Obviously people take notice and those with deeper pockets are able to kind of jump on board. Have you seen a huge swell in waterless concentrates? Are you seeing it as almost a help because it helps educate the whole industry? Or are you really seeing people just kind of really coming at your innovation? We've definitely seen a lot of waterless innovation. In general, we think it's a really great thing. We think concentrates are the future. We're so excited to see that, as you mentioned before, like it's something very new. There's obviously an adoption curve. So the more people see it out there, I think the more visible it is and the more, you know, normal it seems. We're even seeing it across like CPG categories, like some of the biggies are speaking that language about waterless or less waterless. They were, you know, in the beginning, we kind of picked up on the early iterations of that, but it's become much more mainstream, which we think is great as a whole. Obviously, if we see direct copycats that look exactly like Everest, we don't love that. There's been a couple. But in general, like a lot of the waterless brands or innovations that we've seen even more recently still have a very different composition than Everest. So perhaps they're using something, you know, in place of water in their formulas, but that's, you know, an infusion or something like that. But there's very few that are based in glycerin, which is what for us was such a difficult innovation struggle. It's what makes our product so moisturizing. The fact that they're almost 35% glycerin, that's really like the very unique piece about Everest. And we haven't seen anybody really do it the same way that we've done it yet with that. It's also what our patent pending is on. So both of you mentioned you've come from big beauty yourself. You've now jumped in to beauty founders. I would love to hear one or two kind of surprises or ahas that happened or that were unexpected from your experience in a large beauty company versus now starting this one. Great question. I feel like there's so many things. And I think you learn like so much along this journey. And, you know, yeah, we both spent over a decade, you know, in our corporate careers and, you know, loved it, but wanted to change. And I mean, to answer your question, I'd say, obviously we knew we were going to have to roll up our sleeves and kind of get into things. I think maybe what you don't realize too, is just how much you need to adapt and evolve and be resilient during the time. Like it's just it moves so fast. So, you know, in the corporate world, like obviously we think it moves fast, but you know, really there's a lot of processes. There's a lot of time that you do. There's a lot of teams. It's a different environment in the startup world. Things move 
fast and it's a good and a bad thing. But in the good thing is like, you can make change, you can have impact very quickly and you can really react. So you can listen to your customers and you can react really quickly. And that's, I think one of the big advantages, but also the big, like you can hear it and then you can be in it and really realize like what that means. And so I'd say that's kind of one of the surprises. Yeah. And like the resilience, I would say that you kind of need to, to kind of get through. I think it's interesting in this world too. You can have really high highs and you can have low lows and those can almost happen like simultaneously. And so I think for us to try and to remember, just celebrate the wins when they're happening. Cause I think we're just the personality too, that we're always thinking ahead, raising the bar, you know, never satisfied. And so just trying to make sure that, you know, we maintain that and maintain that with the team that we have had a lot of wins and that we have a really clear vision and where we're going. But that's something we just have to remind ourselves of. Talk to me a little bit about the partnership. You both decide to jump in as co-founders and to start this. So how do you divide and conquer the work? Obviously, you have two different roles, but what are you finding as a partnership has helped really elevate the Everest brand? So Jess and I have similar experience. I think we have probably very different ways of thinking and different strengths. But I think just like any partnership, what keeps it really strong is that we have the same values and the same vision for the company. So it's really helpful to have somebody who sees things <laughs> through a different lens than you do. I think it helps us bring a lot more strength to the product. It's brought a lot of innovative solutions to challenges we've had along the way from approaching it from different perspectives. But in the end, I think having a partner that you know that you can count on and wants the same things for the business that you do is what makes it successful. So is part of that strategy then, are you meeting regularly just the two of you? If you both disagree, how do you resolve that situation? How do you find the tools to move forward? I think to answer the first part, probably because we are a brand that's sort of born into the, the COVID, I guess, era, we always plan to be more remote first, but that really was sort of forced on. So I think we did develop very much a virtual piece. And so I would say for meeting regularly, we always meet as a team at least once a month. Uh, Jamie and I do meet up, but we do do a lot virtually. And so that's kind of how we've been able to maintain and still feel like you're really connected. Obviously, it's nice you're enabled by video and you know all these different ways that we can connect, which is great and kind of makes everybody feel closer together. We've, between the two of us, we've kind of divided and conquered a little bit in, two in terms of the functional area of the business. So just we do strategy together, just as more finance, ops. I do more of the creative, the comms, some product dev stuff, but we are all both very involved on both sides. Generally, I think we both like consensus. So even if we are not on the same page, we usually can get the other person on the same page. We have a structure that whoever, you know, depending on what the functional area is, each one of us would have rank based on what area the decision is, is, but we've never had to do that. I think we really believe in making decisions together and having those difficult discussions if we don't agree and resolving to come to a conclusion that we both are happy with. So when you started out and launched Everest into the marketplace, I would love to hear one or two things that really came back to you from the marketplace that surprised you, good or bad, you know, really well received or also that you were surprised that maybe something didn't get received the way you expected. Do you have one or two examples? I would say like I didn't realize going into this during the development, I didn't realize how different our product was when we were developing it. I didn't realize how much differently we've approached this entrepreneurship journey than, you know, another entrepreneur might. I think we made it way harder. <laughs> 
and we've had <laughs> trying to come up with a whole new category, a whole new type of product that didn't exist before. Supply chain has been transparently a nightmare for us over the first couple of years. We've had so many challenges. We've had to move our entire supply chain. You know, the formulas are so thick. They break machines sometimes. Like there's just so many <laughs> unexpected challenges with coming up with this concentrate idea that we didn't, I didn't realize how, when we were doing it, how hard we were making it. But on the flip side, so incredible to see the reception to like innovation. I think when we launched, you know, we started, you know, this little launch campaign and seeing pickup of our innovation in innovation hubs and innovation kind of like newsletters and stuff all over the world. Incredible. And obviously some of the awards that we've won, Times Best Inventions, honorable mention for Fast Company, World Changing Ideas are outside of beauty even. So I don't think we really realized, you know, we were on this journey to create something and it started with one thing and we ended up with something different on our journey. And we just kept innovating and innovating based on problems we were having. And then we launched it and we kept innovating and innovating based on, you know, problems and feedback from our community. Not always problems, lots of good things as well that we're leading into now, like this messaging for, you know, the skincare base. So just not seeing that full picture, you know, it wasn't necessarily from the outset to be, you know, hugely category changing. I think we were really focused on the problem and the customer and this innovation kind of came as a result of that. I love that it is category changing because I do think that's always a true definition of innovation. And it is interesting because like you've mentioned, it it's very similar to shampoo. It's using the shower, comes out, you lather it, you put it in your hair. But the nuances, I believe, are what's really different. And it was one of you that said it, and I really liked it. It was a while ago. It was probably right when you first launched. And you had a message that basically said that we're all trying the best we can to be as sustainable as we can. And what I really liked is that I sometimes feel like in the sustainable space that those that are really doing everything they can, there is always room for improvement. And it's very easy to get picked at. And I was so impressed with your brand from the beginning that the communication was, I think you called yourselves eco-optimists and that you were really focused on doing what's right and there's always room for improvement, but you weren't stuck or, you know, you didn't get weighed down by, oh, but what about X, Y, Z, your cap could do this, or you guys could have done this. And so talk to me a little bit about those first few years of really figuring out how you were going to tell this sustainable story and in a way that was positive and approachable. Because sometimes it does feel like I can't do all the things that are necessary, so I'm just not going to do any of it. So talk to us a little bit about that beginning messaging. And it's heavy too. I think it's a can be a very much like a doom and gloom message, which was not the message that we wanted to tell. We wanted to create a product that felt fresh, that felt uplifting, that was simply the best shampoo that you've ever used. And it just happened to be an eco upgrade or a more sustainable upgrade. And I think we, you know, we were very focused on the details. And I think we still are in terms of doing homework on all of the components and the packaging. And I think things always are evolving. We're always learning more. As we learn more, we evolve more. We didn't want to, you know, not try to go down that path. I think we wanted to try and we continue to try, although imperfect, to do the best job that we can in terms of, you know, selecting what we think is the best material available to us. But there's always more that we can do. And I think, We've worked with different groups as well, like Bluebird, to um, do some digging on our carbon footprint. One of the takeaways they had is Everest has a 77% smaller carbon footprint than traditional water-filled shampoo. A lot of that is because of the size, because it's a concentrate, it's a third of the size, and a 62% smaller waste impact because of our packaging choices. So 
get some validation there. But at the end of the day, like that's our foundation. That's what we really care about. But for the consumer, we want to just make it easy for them to make these elevated choices that feel great, but also are great for them. I think at the end of the day, if you're choosing something that's better for the planet, very often it is also better for you. And very often if it's better for you, you will see the results. So I think just having that all happening behind the scenes, but now in terms of messaging, leaning more into, okay, these are the results piece is very much where we're headed. Although that is our foundation. Where do you go from here? What's the next three to five years look like for Everest? Great question. I mean, I think for us, you know, as we've been talking about, we are definitely leaning into this sort of hair care, body care meets skin care and really thinking about what the future looks like of the beauty industry. So for us, it's, yeah, it's keeping on this innovation journey, focusing still in on concentrates that are better for our bodies, the planet, but we can do that cross category. Uh, we really listen to our community and try to understand where they have gaps and how we can solve them. And so whether that stays, you know, hair, body and shower adjacent or not, we're going to keep kind of on the innovation front. Yeah. And then just finding different partners. And I think we always believe we would be omni-channel. We believe it's where our customers want to shop. We want to make these products available because that's also how we can make change in the industry is, you know, is to make them more widely available. And so, you know, right now we are US and Canada. We're considering, you know, global expansion. So there's definitely room for all that growth to be had. And, you know, we look at different markets outside of North America, they're actually quite far advanced into some of these areas on concentrates and sustainability, et cetera. And so how do we lean into that in these places where they already get it and provide a lot of new solutions that are actually make it easier to make that transition? So lots of room for growth. It's a really, really exciting time. I think for the brand, we have had some amazing growth over the last couple of months. You know, we've doubled the business every year since we've launched more than that last year. And I think leaning in, especially to some of this performance messaging that we're seeing has really helped and just expect that to go even further. So we're embarking now on clinical studies. We have some preclinicals happening as well and some really, really exciting early results in that scalp health area, which is obviously because of that glycerin base that is a piece of our formulas. So watch this space. I think there's lots of big things coming, especially in the next couple months, but further out than that as well. So if our listeners want to get a hold of you, they want to learn either more about Everest, but also about either of you, what would be the best way for them to reach out to you? Yeah, I mean, definitely can look us up on LinkedIn, Jessica Stevenson, or you can also email Everest at info at helloeverest.com. Happy to chat. Also Instagram, follow us on Instagram and I, I read all the DMs. So we'll find you if, you if you send us a note. At Hello Everest. Well, excellent. Thank you both for jumping on, walking us through this incredible brand and the innovation journey that you have been on. I know I'm definitely excited to see what comes about it. And I'm just excited when there's, it's a category change. Uh, the way that we think about shampoo, the fact that it's based in glycerin, the fact that it's a concentrate, there's so many really cool attributes that I can't wait to see how it further develops. So thank you for your time today and for joining us on Beauty is Your Business. Thanks for having us. Thanks, it's fun. This has been Beauty is Your Business, produced by Mouth Media Network. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network and find prior episodes at beautyisyourbusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. Your brand message can be on this show. Email us to find out more at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Thank you for listening.